Well, the la uh, last week we started a new series on uh, hearing and obeying God, right? And we talked about why God would want to speak to us. And there were basically two, the two points were two F's, right? Can anybody tell me what those were? Two reasons why God speaks to us. Friends, to be friends with us, and us to be friends with him. And what was that second F? I love it when I look around and everybody starts suddenly looking away from me. Don't make, don't make eye contact. Freedom. He, 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 you guys treat me like a teacher. Like, don't look at the teacher. All right. So, God speaks to us because, one, he wants to be friends with us. Two, that when we hear the voice of God and begin to follow God, it brings freedom to our lives. It brings freedom from the things that bind us, the things that hold us down, right? And, of course, there are multiple infinite reasons why God would want to talk to us, but we just looked at the two, freedom and friendship. Today, we're going to talk about the ways in which God speaks to us because God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. We're only going to be able to cover a few but what I'm going to do is we're going to talk about three ways that God speaks to us. And then how do I know if it's God's voice in my head or my voice in my head? And the filter that we can run to say, is that God's voice or my voice? Because one of the things that I get asked a lot is, well, how do I know? Was that me or was that God? And one of the things that I get asked a lot too is, well, I had this dream. How do I know if that's just not me or my subconscious being hyperactive while I'm asleep? And so how do I know if this dream is from God or not? So I'm going to give you basically three filters to filter out when you have a dream, if it's God speaking to you or if it's just your brain in overdrive, right? Has anybody ever had like the days where you're really busy and the week's really chaotic, your dreams go off the charts? No? Nobody else has been chased, through, chased by a giant crocodile through Times Square? Okay. Just, I'm pretty sure that one was not God, but... Anyway, so hearing from God. So if you're going to hear, let's just, let's just make this really simple. I can't read a lick of this music, so I'm just going to set that right there. All right. If you're going to hear from someone, what are some of the devices that you use? What are some things? How do we communicate? We have all kinds of communication methods. Just throw them at me. Phone, text, email, ah, talking. Nonverbal. I got two nonverbals, and they're both from women. So all you men know the look that comes with a nonverbal. And if you're single, you'll you'll find out real quick uh, when you get married or start dating. But right, there are all these ways in which we communicate with one another, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that our communication has gotten any better. They're just tools and avenues through which we communicate. Well, God has provided for us tools and avenues through which he wants to communicate with us if we're willing to listen. So how do, what are some ways that we hear from God? The first one is a small voice on the inside. You have that small voice on the inside in your head like, you know, hey, I love you. Hey, you matter. Hey, you're worth it. And what do we immediately want to do? Shut up. Don't say it. Don't tell me that because I'm not worth it. I'm not valuable. And God's like, okay, then why did I send my son? Like, what was that all about, right? If you're not worth it, why would I have done it? It drives me up a wall when I hear Christians say, well, I'm just not worthy. No, you're worth it, but you don't deserve it. You can't earn it, 
but you apparently are worth it because God put the worth and the value on you to do it. So if, if I happen to browbeat you a bit when we're in conversation and you go, I'm just not worthy, and I correct you, just know it's like biblical. You are worthy. The creator, creator of the universe did it for you. Even if you were the only one here, he does it for you. Right? But you can't necessarily earn it or deserve it. So how do we hear from God? The still small voice. It's not necessarily audible. I honestly, I, I think in my entire lifetime, I've only talked to one person that's ever actually had an audible voice from God. I can tell you I never have. God has spoken to me through a myriad of ways at times and in seasons in my life in different ways. But there's this still small voice on the inside like, I should probably do this or say this. Right? And when it's quiet and it's small and it's still, that's when you start second-guessing yourself. Like, is it really? Is it really God? Am I sure that it's God? Um, or is it just the voice in my head? Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. It says, in, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So let's go back to verse 1 just for a second. He says, in times past, that would be what we would call the Old Testament. In times past, God spoke to, now the writer of Hebrews is writing to a Jewish audience. And so he says, he spoke to our ancestors through prophets. And he moved on prophets to speak to our ancestors. He moved on leaders to speak to our ancestors. But in these last days, now the question is, well, when did the last days start? The last days started in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit was poured out. And so you and I, what we call this church age, this, we are living since that time in the last days. We are last days people. And for whatever reason, God saw fit for you to be born now and not pre-Acts chapter 2. Because you have a plan and a purpose to fulfill now and not back then. Right? I think when we stop and think about, think about this for a minute, we say, well, I want to reach future generations. Well, if you were supposed to reach future generations, you would have been born in a future generation. Your generation and time is now. Your job is to impact now. If God wanted you to be born in 2050, he would have put you in 2050. But he didn't. He put you here and now. This is your generation, your time to make an impact, however small or however little, however broad, however narrow, however deep, and however wide. Now's the time. This is your generation, your moment to make an impact. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us in that quiet, still, small voice. And the word speak is the Greek word laos, L-A-I-O-S, L-A-I-O-S. And it literally means to speak with a teacher, as if you were speaking with someone and getting, getting taught. And it doesn't just mean to as speak with a teacher, but it also means one who is talkative. Originally, when this word was first used in ancient Greek language, it literally meant somebody that just would not stop, right? Right? Like, I'm sorry, but I just had like run DMC go through my head. Like, your mouth is big, size extra large, and when you open it, it's like my garage. Do, do you ever, like, there's my brother in the back with Run DMC. All right, so 
like when you, this is what this word means. And they just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk incessantly and they just keep talking and they don't stop. This is this Greek word, but it's talking about God. That God is just speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. And he wants to change you. And he wants to bring you more into the image of Christ. And he wants to bring you to a place where you're hearing God and talking to God and connecting with God on a regular basis. Now all you guys are just picture Jesus and run DMC with Adidas sneakers, right? So, so Jesus can be your homie. It's okay. Oh, he already is. My bad. All right, but it's this idea that when the writer of Hebrews writes this, he says, God is just insistently talking to us, wanting to teach us, wanting us to grow, wanting us to to be more like Jesus and help shape us and form us. Think about that, that Jesus's ministry didn't stop when he went back up to heaven, and it's not going to begin again when he suddenly comes back to earth and takes over the planet. But it's constant that God is speaking to us, right? You could literally say that that verse could be worded like this. In these last days, he has been talkative with us by his son. He's been talkative with us. I don't know what that does for you, but to think that God would want to just at any old time, any old moment, have a conversation with me, even if it's at 2 a.m. when I can't sleep, or at any time when you're just driving down the road and you get this sense of like, I should turn the radio off, I should just pray. Like, that's not you. It's the Holy Spirit within you saying, hey, I need to, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation, right? Or when you're cooking in the kitchen and suddenly you just feel like, I need to, I need to pray. I don't know what I need to pray about. I just need to pray, right? God is constantly wanting to have this conversation with us. Constantly have this conversation. I'm, let, me give you, let me give you a prime example. I was out pumping gas one day, putting gas in my car. And Lynn and I still operate on the cash system. We're kind of old school like that. So I walk up and give cash. Say, I walk up and I'm going to, hey, I need 25 bucks in my tank. And as I hand it to him, I get the sense, just tell him I love him. I'm like, oh, I can't. That's, this is weird cannot tell the guy behind the bulletproof glass, hey, God loves you, right? Like then maybe the bulletproof glass is there for my protection. But I did. But I did. And what I want to tell you is that he came, he cried, and he gave his life to Christ, and blah, 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 blah. None of that. That didn't happen. Right? I said, hey, I just, I don't know why it's going to sound weird, but I want you to know God loves you. I need 25 on pump three. <laughs> And this is like he just got out of prison guy, tatted up, bald, teardrop, you know, like, and I'm like, man, this is going to, so I don't know why God loves you, I need 25 on pump three. And he looks at me, dumbfounded, like, and he looked at me quietly, and then he says, he goes, thank you. Like, like I hit a nerve. Like, I hit a nerve. And then I was too nervous to, like, say anything else. So, okay, thanks. <laughs> but it isn't about, it isn't about 
what we think we're going to get, the perception of, well, if I follow God, then it's all going to be peachy and keen. It's about the obedience when you hear the voice of God. And everything in me didn't want to say that. I never saw, I've never seen the guy since. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where he's at. But I know in that instant, I sense God told me to tell him that. And so I just did. I just, I just did. And, and, and I'm like, it's just weird. You know, it just feels weird. And yet at the same time, it feels so good and complete. And like, I did it. I just did it. And I'll never know on this side of eternity what that meant to that guy or how that impacted him. But sometimes when you have that still small voice, I didn't have to like run, hey, tell him I love him. I didn't have to run that through any kind of filter. Like I didn't have to, I knew that was God saying, hey, just tell him I love him. And that's it. You know, I didn't have to like, well, is that God or is that me? Well, I know it's not me. It must be God, you know. So I want to encourage you, like sometimes when you have that still small voice, say it, speak it, give it out. You're not going to know the impact that it has. You will feel awkward, but I would rather feel awkward for eternity, right, than to keep my mouth shut and feel good momentarily. And then the rest of the day and the rest of the week wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I would have said it. Because your greatest regrets are not what you do, they're what you don't do. Some of you will get that in the morning. Number two, God will use others to speak to you. God will use other people to speak into your life. Let me give you a prime example. Paul, in what we're getting ready to read, Paul wanted to go and speak to people. But before Paul was leaving to go to the city, there were some other people around him, some other Christians, and they were speaking into his life. In Acts chapter 21, verses 4 through 6, it says this, We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And when it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt and prayed. Well, I mean, it's the beach, right? We knelt and prayed on the beach. I mean, how much better can it get? But Paul's like, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And everybody around him was like, don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. I don't think you should be doing it. And, and all of the Christians that Paul's putting in, it would be like me saying, hey, guys, I need, I need to go down to Indianapolis, and I need to go into the state house. And I need to start preaching Jesus in the state house. And all of you guys, and our government is like completely anti-Christian. And they will throw me in jail and all of this stuff. And all of you guys are like, hey, pastors, probably not. Just don't, just don't do that right now. Just don't do that right now. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And through these people, God is warning Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. But Paul is stubborn. And he's hard-headed. And God, nobody knows anybody like that in here, right? Yeah, okay, just making sure. And Paul's like, I got to go, I got to go. And what Paul does, and this is Paul. This is the apostle Paul. God is trying to get him not to go to Jerusalem by using the people he's been pouring himself into. And they are literally, if you read the whole thing in the context, they are literally prophesying to him. Through a gift of prophecy, don't go to Jerusalem. It's going to be bad, and this and this is going to happen to you. 
And Paul didn't listen. So if you do something, right, and you think, well, it's God. God wants me to go to Jerusalem. And you miss it, it's okay, because like the Apostle Paul missed it. You're in good company. If you step out on something thinking it's God and it's not God, it's okay. I would rather step out and try to obey God and miss it than hold back not obeying God and miss it. Because at least if I step out for God and miss it, I believe God's compassionate, merciful, and loving enough to go, hey, it's all right. You missed it. Here's, and bring me along. But if I, if I don't step out, God's going to be like, um, what'd you do? Right? So God used the gift of prophecy through others to warn Paul with multiple warnings. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. But Paul did anyway and ended up getting beat and jailed. And God still used it because God's, in his infinite wisdom, can use any situation and turn it about for good. And Paul, or God did that with Paul. But God, in this instance, trying to warn, hey, don't go, don't go, don't go. There will be times in your lives where you're like, I don't know if I should or I don't know if I shouldn't. And God will send people into your life to speak something into your life to get you to go, hey, don't do that. Or do do that. Right? You, and listen to the, I, I love what Benson says in his commentary of this verse. He says, for had the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, absolute, absolutely forbidden his journey to Jerusalem, he doubtless would have obeyed and he would, and he would not have gone. But he, considering it as being their own advice only, rejected it and went. In other words, Paul saw it as just their own personal opinion and not truly God speaking through them, and Paul went. And Benson says, now if it had been obvious that it was God, Paul probably wouldn't have went. So what do we have? We have an issue in Paul's life of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In the instance where the Apostle Paul was not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's tempting for us at times not to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because we want what we want regardless of what God says. Right? Okay, I know I wasn't going to get too many amens on that, but... So typically, God will use others to confirm what you've already been sensing. Okay? So you might be sensing something, like maybe I should say this to this person, or I should make this financial move, or I should take this job and not that job. I should, whatever it is, you might be sensing it, and someone may come along and either confirm for you or reject what you've been sensing. The question is, is this person connected to God? Notice in our verse that it was the disciples in the city and around Paul, it, they were disciples of Jesus going, hey, don't do this, right? So is that person that's providing you advice, do they have a close relationship with God or is it just somebody random? That's one of the ways you can know whether or not it's God. And let me give you another prime example. When we were thinking about starting our church, we had, uh, we just started like meeting in our house on Sunday nights with a Bible study, and we had a couple that was coming and driving from Muncie, and as the Bible studies went on, they are like, well, you should probably start a church. We'd been praying. We hadn't said a word to anybody. Nobody knew. Not even our parents. Nobody knew. And yet here's a couple showing up at our Bible study, and then after everybody left our house, they just out of the blue said that. And we're like, you got, do you have our bedroom tap? Like, is our house bugged? You know, and it was simply God confirming what we were already sensing. 
Anybody ever had that? Yeah. All right. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, listen. You're supposed to listen because sometimes God will confirm what you're already sensing in your own private, personal life. Okay. Number three. The third way God speaks to us, we have number one, still small voice. He'll use others. The third way is through dreams, that God will speak to us through dreams. Okay? Now, some of you that are, like, really theological are going to go, why, aren't, why didn't you mention the Bible? God speaks to us through the Bible. I would hope that the Bible is like oxygen. You don't have to mention it. It's just obvious. Right? You should read it. God's there. Right? One of the other ways that God speaks to us is through dreams. God spoke to Joseph in a dream in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 41. God spoke to Daniel in Daniel chapter 7. God spoke to Pilate's wife in the New Testament in Matthew 27, verse 19. And you can find a myriad of other ways in dreams in which God spoke to people in dreams. For us specifically, we're going to look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28. This is a prophecy about the days we're living in, right? So Joel prophesies about our days. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And so Joel prophesies, he says, listen, there's coming a day that when the Holy Spirit gets poured out and he's no longer contained inside of a temple, like we talked about a few weeks ago, he's going to pour the Holy Spirit out. And when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, people are going to see visions, people are going to begin to dream, people are going to begin to prophesy, and the church is going to bust loose in ways that define human comprehension. I would say this, if you're attending a church and it's not defying human comprehension, you need to check if the Holy Spirit's there or it's being manufactured and produced by man. I'm just saying. If you attend a church and everything can be processed and produced, you need to check if God's even there. Because if people aren't operating in the gifts of the Spirit and fulfilling the prophecy that Joel prophesied about, is God in even in operation? Now, I'm not saying they walk up and, like, thus saith the Lord and get all freaky on you, right? But if they walk up and they begin to say, hey, I just feel like God wants me to say this. I feel like God's wanting me to say this. Or, or I just, I had this dream, right? And I'm going to give you in a second how you filter dreams to know whether it's your, just your brain or it's God. But Joel, this verse in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 is exactly the same verse that Peter used in Acts 2.17 when the Holy Spirit was poured out, right? So before we read this verse, or you can read it, it's up there. But when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, right, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in like, like, a, like a wind. And, and something like fire rests on people's heads. And they begin to just speak in tongues, right? And 3,000 were added to the church in one day. And it says that, People begin to look in and be like, they are drunk, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, totally not right. Right? So you're like, oh, snap. I didn't know being drunk at 9 a.m. was not right. <laughs> so, so what's Peter do? The one that denied Jesus. The one that said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. That was not me, right? He's de- he has just denied Jesus 90 days ago. And now he's the one that stands up and declares to thousands of people 
and he uses Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Peter references Joel and brings it forward. He said, that, that that Joel was talking about is right now. It's happening now. And it's being carried out until Jesus comes back through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the operation of the Spirit in the world. And Peter says, this is what's happening. And so it's obvious that God will speak to us in dreams and in visions and prophecies. Now, one of the things that I get asked a lot, and this is kind of off topic, but I do want to bring it up, is people say, well, how do I know which laws in the Old Testament I should keep and which ones should I observe versus, like, how do I know? And one of the things that I always tell people is this, and I think this, this will help you a lot. Like, if you're reading the Old Testament, let me give you a prime example. Uh, in, Deuteronomy, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, and then before that in Leviticus 19.28, it makes it very clear. Do not put tattoos on your body. I just picked this one because I know. Right? So it says don't put tattoos on your body. Don't tattoo yourself. So you've got some Christians going, oh, you can't get a tattoo. you got other Christians like, man, i got the whole Bible verse like right here down my forearm. And look how holy I am. Right? It, it's like all over the board. Here's your rule of thumb. Since Jesus came and the writings of the New Testament, what you do is you take the New Testament and you lay it on top of the Old Testament. And where they connect, you say, that got carried through to us today. That got carried to the church age, right? So in the Old Testament, if it says don't get a tattoo, and you're reading Matthew through Revelation and it never mentions tattoos, guess what's okay? Or at least, you know, if your, if your convictions allow you, whatever, right? You have to look, yeah, some of you are like, whew, I'm glad the preacher went that way with that. Where I was going to pay all that money to get that saggy jackalope on the side of my body right here. No, all right, anyway, that now looks like an elk because I got put on some weight and the jackalope went from jackalope to an elk. Anyway, <laughs> I just got to look. All right. The point is this. What you do is you take the New Testament and you lay it on top of the Old Testament. And you say, okay, what's coming through? What's coming through as a yes or a no on my actions? Right? That's what matters. That's how you know if as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is this okay or is this not okay? Right? Because there are commonalities and common things that come through both the Old Testament and the New Testament as we walk in a new covenant. And so God will speak to us in our dreams. And so when you look at what Joel prophesied and then Peter uses Joel in the church age to say, hey, this is going to happen. Then we should expect it to happen. Now the question is, if you have a dream, how do you know it's not a hyperactive mind versus God going, Hey, pay attention. This is coming, or I want you to be aware of this. So let me just give you a few filters that I give to people if you have a dream and you're wondering if it's you or if it's God. Number one, now all three of these need to be present, okay? Number one, do you remember it? Do you remember the dream? 
Because God's not going to give you something and then just want you to forget it and not ever act on it, right? That's just ridiculous. Number two, is it vivid? Is it vivid? Like, when you wake up and you remember it, is it like you were living it? Like, it's just real vivid, okay? Does it, everybody got that? I don't need to explain that anymore. And then the third thing is this. Was there an emotional impact so that as you go throughout your day, you remember it, it's still just as vivid at 3 p.m. as it was at 6 a.m., and you still feel some emotional tie to it at 3 p.m. just as much as you did when you woke up at 6 a.m. It pulls in your emotions, it pulls in your intellect, and it pulls in your entire being, right? More than likely, it's God going, hey, pay attention, I need you to know this. Do you remember it? Is it vivid? Does it leave an emotional impact a week later? Like, I need to act on this. I need to move on this, right? But here's what we, got, here's what we have to understand about dreams, though. In Jeremiah 29, verse 8, just write it down, look it up later. Jeremiah 29, verse 8, you do not place your faith in a dream. Your faith goes in Scripture and in Jesus, you don't put your faith in the dream. It's just God's wanting me to know this. Now I go to God in prayer and say, okay, God, why did you give me this dream? Is it something I need to do? Is it somebody I need to pray for? Is it an event I need to pray for? Why? And bring it back to God. Anytime you have some sort of supernatural interaction, whether it's a prophecy or a dream, it should always point back to Jesus. Never lift you up or lift somebody else up or glorify you or glorify somebody else. It always circles back around that Jesus gets lifted up so that he can draw men to himself, always, right? So we don't place our faith in dreams. That's how you filter out if a dream is God speaking to you or not. I get asked that all, the, like, like every other week. Like, I had this dream, and how do I know? And there's your filter. Now, if God's speaking to you in a still, small voice, if he's speaking you, to you through others, if he's speaking to you in a dream, if he's speaking to you in any other way, what are the filters to know it's God's voice? And I'm going to leave you with these as we get ready to close. Filters for hearing God's voice. Let's go to First uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who, was, who baptized, but his disciples So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So he left, oh, <laughs> and now he had to go through Samaria. All right, so go back to verse 1. And what we have in this is Jesus, maybe verse 1. Okay, anyway, what we have is Jesus speaking and baptizing to people. And going throughout the region, sharing, and what we, there we go. And he's growing, right? He's growing his impact. He's growing his ministry. He, he's, he's growing. And they're looking for signs and filters. Like, what's going on? How's come this guy's out, out growing John the Baptist? You know what else you're kind of reading there, but it's not in the lines? We're starting to feel threatened by this guy. We're starting to feel threatened by this guy. You don't read it, but you can sense it as you read it. And so they had filters. We have to have filters. When we, when we think that God is beginning to move, God is speaking to us, how do we know? Number one filter. 
to know if it's God speaking to you. It always aligns with multiple scriptures. Is it me or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it biblical? What I'm sensing and hearing either in my own head or from other people or the dream or the vision or the prophecy, whatever I've received, is it, does it line up with multiple verses in scripture? Right? We're not going to take one verse out of the Bible and make a whole theological doctrine on it. The Bible always interprets itself, and the Bible always backs itself up. It's living, right? It's living. It breathes. It backs itself up. So if I had a dream, does it align with Scripture? Are there multiple verses that I can, that I can point to with that? Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why am I going to run it through the filter of Scripture? Because I either need to be corrected, rebuked, taught. I need to bring, be brought into an alignment with God's plan and God's will. And so T Paul tells Timothy that in 2 Timothy. Number two, the second filter the spirit jumps or there's like an inner excitement. Like when I hear, sometimes when you hear God's voice, it's like, oh, right? It may not mean that you're like busting through walls like the Kool-Aid man, all right? But it does mean that you ever had that like, oh, wait a minute, something, is that God? You ever read a verse and you're like, oh, that's kind of different. That's exciting. I hadn't seen that before, right? There's this like inner excitement. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I get that it was like Jesus in one belly, and John the Baptist, his cousin, in the other belly, and they came together, and woo, right? And they were all excited in the room, the Holy Spirit came. But there is something about when Jesus speaks into your life, and Jesus shows up in, the, in your room, or in your relationship, there's something that's like, oh, He's here. And you've likely followed God at any point in time and follow him long enough. You're going to get a sense either in your prayer life or in worship or at some point you're going to get a sense like, he's here. He's here. And you know it. Right? There's an excitement. There's, there's something going on there. The third filter, you have an inner peace. You have this inner peace. You may not. I'm not saying that there's rainbows and flowers and unicorns, okay? But you have this inner still small peace that's like, yeah, that's right. I know it. I know it. So, um, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Paul actually uses here, he uses a sports term. The word rule means umpire. It is the Greek word for umpire. God's peace should be umpiring the game of your heart. And Colin strikes, balls, fouls, safe, not safe. Like that's, that's what that word peace means. So if you're like, well, is it God or is it me? Well, does it align with scripture? Is there an inner excitement and joy that it brings. And three, do you have inner peace about it? Is there peace there? 
let me say this in closing. This will be the last thing that I say. When you have peace, it does not mean, it does not mean there may not be some trepidation or some what if playing out up here. But down here, somewhere in your spirit, you sense a, that's right. In my mind, I don't know how it's going to play out. I might have a little bit of worry, trepidation, what ifs going on. But in my spirit, I'm like, but it's right. It's right. And that's what I need to do. And that's when your spirit has to trump your knowledge. Or you bring your knowledge in alignment with the word of God. And so this morning, God will speak to you soft, still voice. He'll speak to you through other people. He'll speak to you in dreams. And you filter it all through the word of God. You filter it. Does, is there some level of excitement inside of me that hits? And do I sense peace? It's likely God's voice. Now, my nature, my fallen nature will fight every bit of that. Society will fight every bit of that. That is the world we live in. But I promise you that if you follow the peace and run the filters through, you'll find that God is speaking because he wants to be our friend and he wants us to bring us freedom from the things that will hold us down. Let's stand up. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're talkative with us that you want to talk, you want to speak, you want to free us. Even for those of us that have been walking with you for 20 years or 15 years or however long, there's still things that you're wanting to free us from. Lord, I just ask that we would have sensitive ears. Lord, as next week we talk about how do we hear from you. We talk about the ways in which you speak, but how? How do we hear it? God, I ask that you would move in us. Help us to be more sensitive to your spirit as we close out in song. In Jesus' name, amen.